Alex Mozet, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle to fight back and win against big tech. Today, we've got a really amazing guest joining us. We have Salih Udayar, uh, who is the prime minister of the East Turkestan government in exile. Salih, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Why don't we just kind of start at the top of what is East Turkestan for, for our viewers that maybe aren't familiar? And what's some of the story there about um, why you're the prime minister of a government in exile and, and what that means? So East Turkestan is the homeland of Uyghurs, Kazakhs, Kyrgyz, and other Turkic peoples. Uh, it's been the homeland of uh, uh, Indo-European and Turkic peoples for uh, roughly about 6,000 years. Uh, it wasn't until 1877 that the uh, l late uh, Manchu Qing dynasty invaded East Turkestan. And then in 1884, they renamed it to Xinjiang, meaning the colony or the new territory in the Chinese language. Uh, with the fall of the uh, Manchu Qing dynasty in 1911, the people of East Turkestan, uh, you know, they started their national movements. And there were attempts in 1912 to uh, declare independence, but it was uh, brutally crushed. Uh, however, in 1933, we declared independence as the Republic of East Turkestan or the East Turkestan Republic. Uh, and due to Soviet intervention, uh, it was br uh, brutally crushed as well within uh, roughly six months. Then in uh, 1944, a decade later, we declared independence again on the same date, November uh, 12th. And we were able to maintain our independence uh, until December 22nd, 1949. Uh, when the uh, People's Republic of China, uh, aided by the Soviet Union, they invaded East Turkestan, uh, occupied our country, and overthrew our uh, government, um, leading to you know the uh, past 72 years a camp brutal campaign of uh, colonization, forced assimilation, genocide, and uh, occupation. Uh, attempts by our you know, former government officials of the East Turkestan Republic to create a government in exile. Many of them had fled to what is now Kazakhstan or then the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, we were the Soviets were uh, were not going to allow us to host a you know they weren't willing to host a, a government in exile in in their territory. So uh, it wasn't until 1992, after the fall of the Soviet Union, that <clears throat> excuse me that attempts to uh, re, uh, you know, to reestablish or to establish a government in exile, uh, you know, uh, kicked off again. Um, and this time it was in Istanbul and uh, the Turkish government, uh, due to various reasons, was not willing to host a government in exile, but they were willing to host the East Turkestan National Congress. Um, but in 19, uh, by late 1990s, uh, the Turkish government was receiving a lot of pressure from the Chinese government, uh, forcing our uh, leadership and others to flee to uh, the West, to the United States, uh, Europe, and uh, you know Canada. And it was in 2004 that we were able to convince uh, you know uh, people here in the United States to allow us to. Uh, establish our government in exile here in Washington D.C. Interesting, and and so so that's something approved by like who approves? That? I guess I guess what what approvals come with that? Is, is that like the um, Secretary of State or something? Like how? To, uh, I'm curious how how that works. What that means? 
Well, so uh, we actually, when we declared the government in exile, we actually uh, had a, a conference in uh, the US, uh, U.S. Capitol building. And shortly after that conference is when we uh, declared our government in exile. Um, the U.S. government, officially the State Department, uh, it was in November, uh, two months after we declared our government in exile because of a lot of uh, Chinese, uh, you know, diplomatic protests by the Chinese government. They had to, they issued a statement stating that, yes, you know, we we heard that there was a government exile established here, but uh, the U.S. government doesn't, uh, um, you know, support, support it. Um, and we've, you know, managed to continue, uh, you know, our existence here in the United States. And because uh, the United States is also, you know, a democratic country where, you know, it respects freedom, uh, it respects, you know, law, um, there wasn't really any uh, laws or anything against us creating a government in exile. So it was, you know, tacitly approved. <laughs> yes. Yes. They've, they've tolerated it. And we, we, we are still uh, the beacon of freedom, which is good. You know, we're, we're not doing so great these days on upholding freedom. I guess we're, you know, still, still at the head of the pack. Just um, it's kind of easy to, to take that, that flag these days. Really interesting. You, you are the prime minister of this government in exile. Um, you know, we have heard uh, many stories about um, I, even including in the New York Times did a big expose maybe what a year or two ago about um, the CCP's just uh, I mean uh, I mean basically what they call them re-education camps they remind me of concentration camps in the tune of millions of Uyghurs you know communist dictators don't really appreciate religion of any sort um, and so you know we've seen those stories we've covered those stories on the show. And just how how you know terrible that is from your perch. You had the New York Times cover this, right? Obviously, that story didn't get any coverage in China because they control all the you know uh, uh, content platforms, social media platforms. Do you think that story was suppressed by big tech, U.S. big tech? Right? Like, should that have gotten more coverage than it did? How's the coverage been of big tech of the travesties which have been carried out against you know the people of East Turkestan and the Uyghur community? Uh, big tech. I mean, whether it's you know big tech, you know the com the companies or even like the owners and CEOs and other people involved in 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 running big tech, uh, they have been actually very silent. Um, there has been a lot of self-censorship. You know, uh, some of these big tech owners, you know, they have shares in uh, various media uh, entities here in the United States and elsewhere. So uh, they have, you know, been uh, self-censoring in order to uh, appease China. Um, while, you know, the New York Times, uh, as you stated, you know, they uh, published it, you know, these documents, they at the same time, you know, hid uh, the most important, uh, you know, uh, components of those documents and failed to, uh, you know, publish those, fearing that uh, it would, you know, upset uh, China and its leaders. Okay, so they watered it down. Well, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll get to that later. I mean, if you go on interviews like this interview, for example, you know, do you think YouTube's going to come after us? Like, is your voice being muted from, you know, the social media platforms, the content platforms, um, that kind of stuff? I mean, uh, we haven't had any problems in terms of uh, YouTube. 
initially, we did have some problems. They were, uh, you know, removing some of our videos and we reached out to them and uh, we were able to uh, fix, resolve that issue. Um, Twitter has been great. Uh, we, we are having some, you know, problems in terms with uh, Facebook. It won't let us run, you know, certain ads. Uh, and uh, even, you know, we don't, we're not appearing on the search results uh, as, uh, as, as, as we should. Oh, that's interesting. So, so on Google search, I think you're talking about, you know, the, the search results are, are not surfacing, you know, all the information or they're punting you down to the, you know, bottom of first page, second page, that kind of stuff. Facebook kind of, uh, not giving as much coverage to, certain topics, banning, you know, ads, those kinds of things. All that, unfortunately, kind of seems par for the course. Frankly, I'm not surprised. Doesn't make it okay. Facebook lets, you know, the Chinese government, uh, you know, its state media and various entities run ads on Facebook, you know, denying the ongoing genocide. Yet when we try to run a, a simple, you know, ad inviting people to a certain event or a demonstration, uh, th this, you know, it, it Facebook doesn't allow that to be run. So it's, 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 I just wanted to point out this, uh, double standard in terms of, you know, Facebook. And by the way, we're, we're doing this interview over Skype, not zoom zoom. Obviously the Chinese government listens to all the calls on zoom. Any run-ins with zoom? I personally have not used zoom, uh, because again, for security reasons, um, and the fact that, you know, uh, I'm trying to boycott all goods and services that are, uh, made in China, especially those that are, you know, affiliated in one way or another with the Chinese government. Zoom likes to say American company, um, even though that's not true. TikTok, on the other hand, very clear. Chinese company through and through. TikTok definitely, right, um, helping to promote China's view or the CCP's view of what they want people to think is going on over there. Um, any stories you have about TikTok? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of TikTokers that were sympathetic uh, about the Uyghurs, you know, they try to post videos in TikTok. Many of them, you know, have been uh, remo removed, their videos have been removed, some have even been uh, suspended. And in, you know, TikTok's Chinese version or Douyin, like, for example, uh, some of the videos showing the uh, forced transfer of Uyghurs, the forced labor of Uyghurs, you know, had been uploaded on the Chinese version of TikTok. And as soon as we, you know, uh, tried to highlight that, they, they all got removed. Those accounts were deleted. Uh, these are the types of things that, you know, um, TikTok is doing, trying to, you know, uh, censor and hide evidence, you know, that of what's going on uh, by people that are posting it in East Turkestan. And then outside of East Turkestan and across the world, you know, people uh, like average people who are just trying to, you know, uh, inform others, they are taking down their videos and they're censoring them as well. Yeah. And then they send the 50 cent army after you, which we've gotten, our videos have gotten a uh, 50 cent army. We talk about 50 cent army on the show a lot, but there, I mean, the, the 50 cent army probably has like a, a whole wing. There's probably a whole department. Um, I say it jokingly, it's not funny. I don't mean to make jest of it because it really is a travesty what's happening to, uh, you know, to the Uyghurs and, and in East Turkestan here. But I, I, I guarantee there's probably like a small army of people in the 50 Cent Army in China. And all they do is comment and try to shape public opinion, you know, in 
away from uh, from having people think anything bad is actually happening over there, right? I mean, it has to be a massive force of labor to do this at the scale they're doing it. Yes, uh, you know, like the uh, 50 Cent Army, I mean, like in certain videos that we posted, you know, uh, there was an event in, I believe, 2019 or 2020 where I spoke at the uh, Committee on the Present Danger here in Washington, D.C., and uh, we took that clip of my speech, and as soon as we uploaded it onto our uh, Facebook page, within less than half an hour, we had 4,000, you know, troll comments by, you know, the the 50 cent army just, you know, trying to call us liars, all these different things. I mean, it is it is impressive and scary how how good of a job China does to control this kind of information narrative. On the show, we talk about it, that we are actually in an information warfare currently, right? We are at war. It's an information warfare today, not tomorrow, but today we are in it. I, I just, you know, a lot of people don't know. I will say on the positive side, many, I, I think tens of millions of Americans are waking up to the fact that they are trying to be controlled uh, you know, by forces like the CCP, by big tech, by the mainstream media. And, you know, that to me is the silver lining. But it is it is crazy to think about the amount of resources that, that China is going to to try and shape this narrative around uh, the Uyghurs and, the, and, and what's going on in East Turkestan. Yes, I mean, the East Turkestan problem, uh, as I mentioned, you know, it's been an ongoing problem. Uh, it's, an, it's a, you know, it's part of the ongoing Sino-East uh, Turkestan conflict that has been waging for the past 100 years. And uh, East Turkestan, which I forgot to mention, is roughly uh, 1,828,418 square kilometers, or roughly two and a half the size of the state of Texas. It's rich in natural and mineral resources from uh, oil, natural gas, coal, uranium, gold, silver, copper, tungsten, and uh, even, you know, Bitcoin. Much of uh, Bitcoin's mining is actually happening in East Turkestan, which many people uh, don't know about. Even, you know, the uh, uh, polysilicon, uh, which is used for, you know, solar power, uh, building, you know, solar energy. Uh, over 20% of the world's supply comes from in East, Tur East Turkestan alone. Uh, over 80% of China's cotton, you know, uh, production, which is roughly about 22% of the world's uh, cotton production, comes from East Turkestan alone. Uh, so, and it's the cornerstone of China's, you know, grandiose um, plan for global, uh, you know, uh, domination, the Belt and Road Initiative. The uh, East Turkestan is the cornerstone of that. And this is why when Xi Jinping in 2013, when he unveiled the uh, the uh, uh, Belt and Road Initiative and, you know, his goals for rejuvenating the Chinese nation and, you know, uh, achieving the Chinese dream, uh, he started, you know, by labeling Uyghurs as terrorists, as barbarians, uh, the, and as, you know, uh, weeds that needed to be, you know, eradicated. And this is where in 2014, you had the start of uh, essentially these concentration camps where millions of people were slowly being locked up in. There's really no no justification for what they're doing. I mean, there can't be any justification for what they're doing with these camps. Is, is there any positive role uh, that, let's say, 
U.S. or or non-Chinese tech companies uh, are playing in in this fight against the CCP, you know, whether in China or outside of China. Like, is it even possible for any non-Chinese uh, tech companies to to influence any sort of opinion or enable any sort of communication inside of China? Like, I mean, you probably don't even want to tell me if there is, right? Because then they'll go and shut it down. But um, is there any positive here from 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 how uh, Western tech platforms have have been able to help you uh, accomplish your goals? So uh, one of the things um, I, I can only think of one, you know, real example. Um, and this is so the, the Chinese government has been effectively, you know, trying to uh, not only, you know, destroy our culture, but also our language and as part of its ongoing genocide. And uh, there was never, you know, a Uyghur, uh, you know, Google didn't have uh, we, uh, a Uyghur in, as part of his, you know, Google Translate platform. Uh, but they uh, recently, I believe it was last year, that uh, they were finally able to put uh, the Uyghur language into into the uh, Google Translate. And this also helps, you know, the many Uyghurs that cannot, you know, that doesn't understand, you know, English. Like in the United States, for example, we have about 10 to 15,000 Uyghurs out of their diaspora of over, you know, one and a half million. Um, and majority of Uyghurs, you know, they don't, they can't get their voices, you know, heard. So everybody just writes in Uyghur. But now this will enable, you know, having uh, Uyghur translate in Google, this will enable, you know, their stories to be, uh, you know, read by anyone really, um, even whether it's posts, letters, whatever it is on social media, people can, you know, just, copy and paste that, put it into, you know, uh, Google Translate and understand, you know, what the Uyghurs are going through, uh, what they're saying, and vice versa. It, it helps, you know, Uyghurs who don't understand English and vice versa, you know, uh, read, you know, what certain news and understand what, you know, how the international community is uh, reacting to our, uh, to our issue. Yeah. Okay. That's a good example. I like that. You know, some some positivity, you know, always, always good to have some positivity and optimism. And so, so let's, let's kind of shift a little bit to uh, the Olympics. The Olympics are coming up and you are leading a boycott uh, against the Olympics, which I'm, I, you know, I must say, I actually love for my own selfish reasons. I want to hear your reasons. Uh, and then I'll eventually I'll get to my reasons also, but why are you boycotting the Chinese Winter Olympics? Right now, we're facing a genocide. I mean, there is no doubt what's going on is, is a genocide. The U.S. government has recognized it as a genocide. Parliaments of the U.K., France, um, Belgium, Canada, Netherlands, um, Lithuania, and the Czech Republic have recognized it as a genocide. Uh, just on Tuesday, the uh, Japanese parliament also uh, passed a uh, you know weak resolution um, stating that they were concerned about the, you know, the uh, atrocities that the Chinese government was uh, doing, uh, particularly the mass uh, internment of Uyghurs. Um, so, <clears throat> with this, knowing that, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing that this is happening, it's uh, you know morally wrong uh, and unethical for um, 
want the IOC to have given, you know, the uh, allowing China to host the Olympics. We tried to call the IOC to the International Olympic Committee to relocate it to a better country. The other two contenders were Oslo, Norway. Perfect, you know, like they have a near perfect human rights record. Another one, you know, uh, Almaty, Kazakhstan. While theirs is not as near as, uh, you know, as near perfect as, you know, or not anywhere near perfect, uh, so much better, you know, they're much better alternative than, you know, the Chinese government that's waging a genocide. Uh, we didn't try to call on, you know, governments, individual governments to uh, engage in full diplomatic boycotts, uh, full boycotts, but it, it uh, turned out to be weak diplomatic boycotts. We tried to get, you know, athletes and special, uh, specific uh individual uh, you know national teams to uh drop out of it and um they pretty much ignored our our calls and now we're calling on the general public to you know um join our campaign that we launched launched about two weeks ago um you know to boycott watching the beijing olympics and to make it you know the least watched olympics uh to protest uh, the ongoing genocide that's happening in uh, in East Turkestan against Uyghurs and other Turkic peoples. You wouldn't think this this kind of stuff in this day and age would happen. A, B, if it's happened, if it does happen, be tolerated, and C, just you know, just just kind of uh, how 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 easy it is for people, politicians, leaders, etc to just kind of turn a blind eye to the just completely inexcusable actions by the CCP against the Uyghurs. Not to mention, by the way, talk about COVID, talk about how irresponsible China acted um, throughout this whole pandemic and has refused to take accountability, refused to be transparent. You know, it is the same kind of behavior, just the mentality, right? The rules do not apply to them. Um, humanity, what it means to be humane does not apply to them. And by them, I mean the CCP. And, they, and they're getting away with it, right? And probably because they're just bribing and corrupting the entire globe, uh, including, unfortunately, I think a large part of our U.S. government uh, on both sides of the political aisle. I really do appreciate, Salih, the, the fight that you are taking on your shoulders here. And I can imagine you probably have some dark days and, you, you know, wonder how do you keep going? I'd say my positive view on it is it may not be seen in the politicians and, and the public figures, but I do think tens of millions of Americans are waking up, are recognizing the wrongdoing that China is doing and the CCP is doing, whether it's with the Uyghurs, whether it's in terms of how they've handled COVID, all of that mixed together. And the people and I, so that's why I like you appealing to the general public. I think the people, you'd be surprised. I actually think a lot more people in this country than maybe you would think would wholeheartedly support exactly what you're talking about. No, the, the people have been great. And that this is why, you know, even to get the uh, genocide recognition, you know, to get the U.S. government, it took us three years. Um, and so we, you know, appealed to the people to, you know, uh, informing them, telling them to, you know, inform their members of Congress and urging them to uh, pressure uh, the government to do so. And uh, while it takes, uh, you know, it takes time, um, I think the people on our on our side and uh, another thing that I forgot to mention earlier is, you know, yes, governments have recognized this genocide. They have, you know, condemned uh, what's happening. You know, they've condemned the Chinese government. Um, and they've engaged in, you know, these diplomatic boycotts, 
Um, and these are all largely symbolic because there hasn't been anything really meaningful uh, to actually help end this genocide. Like, for example, you, you could, you know, it started in 2014. You could say it officially started in 2016. Um, and, you know, it's been, what, uh, about seven years, uh, about, you know, seven, eight years since the Chinese government has been, you know, interning Uyghurs in, in concentration camps, forcibly sterilizing them, uh, you know, aborting their, their babies, uh, you know, harvesting their organs and so forth. Um, yet nothing meaningful, you know, real constructive action hasn't been done. And the UN is not going to investigate this. Just earlier, uh, last week, you know, you had uh, UN uh, human rights chief, Michelle Bachelet, you know, uh, stating that, you know, she might go visit. Um, the Chinese had given her uh, permission to go visit East Turkestan on the basis that there's not going to be an investigation. So if there's not going to be an investigation, then her visit will be no different than, you know, the International uh, Red Cross visiting uh, the uh, concentration camps in Thurnstadt, where the Nazis, you know, they took down, you know, the barbed wires and the fencing and the towers, and, you know, they made it look like, uh, you know, a vocational training facility saying, oh, the Jews are happy, you know, we're not engaging in, in, in a holocaust. Uh, this, and the Chinese government is going to do, do the same thing. However, there are two, you know, international bodies, you know, uh, that have, uh, you know, treaty bodies that have the mandate to investigate crimes such as genocide and other crimes against humanity. One is the International Criminal Court and the other is the International Court of Justice. Uh, because East Turkestan is an occupied country, and we are not, you know, defined as, you know, under international law, we're not a sovereign state. Uh, we are not a member of the uh, uh, signatory of the ICJ. Uh, so we filed a complaint uh, back in June 6th of 2020. Uh, and when we mean we, I mean the East Turkestan government in exile, along with the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the East Turkestan National Awakening Movement, and the uh, general, you know, victims of, uh, of, of, you know, the our diaspora community who are victims of the Chinese uh, communist uh, regime. And we urge the ICC to investigate, you know, Chinese officials for genocide and other crimes against humanity. So if governments, uh, if, you know, big tech, uh, you know, who have influence, uh, they care about the Uyghurs and they want to do something, then we, you know, call on all of them to urge the ICC to accept our case and to start uh, investigations either, you know, during the, uh, while, while the uh, Beijing Olympic is taking place or uh, shortly afterwards, because that's the only way we can, you know, obtain justice. That's the only way that we can meaningfully, uh, you know, stop this genocide. The other way is to engage in humanitarian intervention. And if governments are, aren't willing to even, you know, uh, I, I doubt governments are going to be willing to do that. So at the very least, support our case, you know, let the international, you know, criminal court uh, and the international court of justice do uh, a, a, an investigation. And if China has, 
you know, if China claims that, you know, they're not engaging in genocide and, you know, there's no concentration camps and Uyghurs are happy, then they, China has nothing to fear. Let China produce, produce its evidence. Let us produce its evidence and China will get a fair, you know, fair trial, a fair hearing. Well, I mean, China, China's not in the business of fair. OK, <laughs> I mean, obviously they're guilty and obviously they're, they've corrupted and co-opted all of these institutions whether, uh, you know, our government or these international committees. So it's completely correct for you to be doing these activities. But I like the, the I like what you're saying about taking this to the people. What about this NBA player, this um, uh, NS Cantor, um, right? And, and he's been talking about uh, the Uyghur forced labor. Are you in contact with him or are like, is, is, can, can he help, right? Like kind of propel this message, boycott the Olympics. Are you guys talking? Uh, you know, NS Cantor Freedom, he recently changed this name, uh, last name to Freedom uh, uh, as part of, you know, becoming a U.S. citizen. Uh, he's been very vocal about, um, you know, the ongoing uh, genocide in East Turkestan, about, you know, Tibet, Hong Kong. Um, and he's been, you know, uh, helping us, uh, all of these communities, uh, to, you know, uh, raise our, our issue, as well as, you know, uh, call for a boycott of the uh, Beijing uh, 2022 uh, Winter Olympics. I mean, it's impressive what this guy's done. I mean, especially because the NBA is so... And, you know, so tied to China and they, and they get so much money from China. They really have penalized, you know, many uh, employees and players for speaking out. So, you know, I see what uh, what what freedom Mr. Freedom is doing and, you know, give him a lot of support and props for, you know, for taking on those risks. I'm sure it's cost him real money in terms of sponsorships and these other kinds of things. So, so that's great. So he's on the team. He's calling for the boycott also, it sounds like. How else can people help? Like, for example, uh, our campaign, you know, um, that we launched the, you know, least watched Olympics. Anyone can, you know, whether it's during the Olympics, I mean, the Olympics is about to start on Friday, tomorrow. So even if it's a little late, we can still, you know, print out a piece of paper, you know, with hashtag least watched Olympics a short message on why, you know, they're protesting the Olympics and sharing this on social media and inviting others to, you know, share as well. Um, and this will create a huge impact. While it might, you know, seem small, uh, you know, when you have millions of people doing this, this will create a huge impact and governments that are, you know, reluctant to act, governments that feel that they don't have the public opinion on their side will be proven otherwise. Yeah, I can see that right now. Just you get you kind of get one of those images and then you put hashtag least watch Olympics. I want to see my Instagram feed just say least watch Olympics um, all the way down. Right. Exactly. And uh, we've already, you know, uh, been uh, pushing this on, on various social medias. Uh, we've had a lot of great people, you know, uh, supporting it. But we need, you know, people like uh, NS Counter more, you know, um, you know, it, people, you know, in the tech community that, you know, have some influence that actually care about, you know, uh, human rights, human lives and human dignity to uh, join this campaign and make it uh, as viral as we can to, you know, protest what's going on. It's the least that we can do. Uh, it's not going to take, you know, a lot of it's not going to take require a lot of time. Um, just, you know, a piece of paper with least watched Olympics, a minute or two of our time. Uh, short and sweet. Love it. Okay. So 
Last question. And then I think, you know, you've, you've been very generous with your time. What was the thing in the New York Times report, which they did not put in, right? You said they didn't even put in the, the most damning information. What, 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 did they, what did they kind of uh, whitewash away here? So one of the things that they whitewashed away is the fact that, you know, Xi Jinping, the Chinese president Xi Jinping is directly responsible for it. Like there were secret, you know, documents, internal documents of his speeches that he gave back in 2014 uh, you know, ordering government officials to ensure that, you know, we are, you know, um, uh, you know, stamped out like, you know, uh, that we are like weeds and that the, you know, they need to ensure that, you know, uh, uh, 30% of our population is locked up and if necessary, 30%, you know, kind of needs to be killed and the other 30%, they need to, you know, uh, uh, indoctrinate and ensure that they become, you know, loyal Chinese citizens and by all means, you know, hide this, deny this at, at, at all levels and, uh, you know, prevent Uyghurs, uh, you know, whether they're inside for or outside from, you know, speaking out ab about this, you know, it highlights that, you know, you know, before, like in the way it was saying, oh, the regional government did this. Now the regional, you know, the so-called autonomous region government, it can't do anything without, you know, the central government, like Beijing's, you know, uh, approval or command. So this came directly from, you know, Xi Jinping and they didn't want to, uh, they felt that if they highlighted that fact, it might further upset China. So they tried to, you know, water it down and saying, oh, you know, the, the regional government, you know, officials at the regional government, they have been implementing this when it really, it's, it's, it's right from the top. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it makes no surprise that this stuff does not happen. You know, I've come to realize <laughs> there's no coincidences in life. This stuff isn't just happen. Oh, some, some regional district took this upon themselves. No, it came right from the top. You want to know what else came right from the top? Because I've been reading this book called Ordinary Men, uh, written in the 90s, uh, uh, following um, this police battalion um, in the Nazi police force. And it tracks the evolution of this police battalion, which, which um, exterminated uh, tens of thousands of Jews, if not more, um, over their just couple year tenure doing this. It's actually a very short period of time um, where the killings, like the mass killings, right? If you look at the total deaths, um, it was it was happening for many years, but it escalated dramatically um, in just a relatively short period of time. And so it tracks the story of this police battalion called you know ordinary men and and how kind of you do a little bit of something that's bad and then you do a little bit more and then you do a little bit more and then you do a little bit more and then you do really, really, really bad things. And it kind of just is the psychology of it's so insane. But long story short, those directives, what what happened to the Jews and other and other minorities uh, in World War Two came directly from Hitler and Himmler, his lieutenant. This was not you know, relegated down to some, uh, you know, uh, um, like regional head who decided to do this. This was directly from the top and then executed uh, um, uh, in mass. So makes no surprise to me that this comes directly from Xi and it's just such a, such a travesty. Um, so, 
So Lee, thank you so much for, for coming on today and joining us, sharing some words. Uh, we will be doing our best to promote the least watched Olympics along with you. And uh, please stay in touch. Keep us apprised of, uh, of all your successes in this campaign against these brutal authoritarian dictators. And we'll be right there with you, my friend. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Best of luck to you, sir.